Well, welcome and thank you for listening to the teachings here of Ethan Callison. I am Ethan Callison. Glad to have you listening and spending a part of your time today and listening to the teachings here at Fellowship Community Church North Campus. Um, I am not going to be teaching today. Our lead pastor here at Fellowship Community Church, Kevin Wilson, is actually going to be teaching. He's teaching a part of this five-week series as we're in week three of the Unfinished Church. And he's going to be talking on the Unfinished Bride out of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Now, as he teaches this, next week um, we're going to have Jim Williams, one of our elders, and leaders here at North Campus uh, leading and teaching us. Um, That podcast is going to be coming out. That episode will be a little bit late next week because I'm hunting next week. Um, So I'll be coming out a little bit late, but I hope that you are enjoying these messages and would love for you to hit that subscribe or follow button so they automatically come into your podcasting inbox and you don't have to remember to go back and listen to them. Without further ado, here's Pastor Kevin and the Unfinished Bride. Well, good morning, church. It is good to be here. It is good to see you. It was cool to hang out in the lobby. And I will tell you, North Campus has got some things, all right? Number one, y'all's coffee stand is so bougie. It is like signs and like graphics on uh, the carass. And this table is so much more bougier than the one that I get. It's got like a covering and something. So, man, it's awesome to be here. Um, you, uh, you've already been welcomed by your uh, North Campus pastor, Ethan, and I welcome you as well as one of the pastors at FCC. If I don't know you, my name is Kevin, uh, and I'm not bougie, um, but uh, it is awesome to be here with you guys uh, and uh, to open up the Word. It's, it's really neat. I, I've had a really cool ministry is always changing at FCC, and one of the things I've been able to do over the past, uh, it'll be four weeks when this completes, is that uh, I actually, our campus pastors, which would be Pastor Allen over at Southwest, Ethan here, and then Ken at our uh, Salem campus, all are doing different sermon series in the month of November. And so you guys are looking at the Unfinished Church uh, Salem campus uh, is looking at uh, Jesus and relationships, and then I get to go to Southwest campus, which is meets at Faith Christian School next week, and uh, do the fourth chapter of Jonah. And so uh, my my preaching schedule has been really cool because I got to start at Salem three weeks ago, and then I got to teach a next steps class, which I've not done that in like a year and a half. Uh, and so it was so neat to hang out with those folks. And then I get to come here to North Campus, and I get to roll over to Southwest Campus, and it amazes me. It reminds me as a pastor of what God is doing in our church and all over the Roanoke Valley. And so it is a privilege to be here with you guys today as we look at uh, the unchur- the unfinished church. We're going to turn our Bibles, if you have a copy of the scriptures, to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11. We'll be looking at four verses today, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the unfinished bride. Now, of course, when you think of that metaphor and what, uh, what that looks like um, and what the bride looks like, I'm married, uh, and so the, when I started studying, the first picture I had was, of course, my bride. And um, this is, we've been married for 17 years, uh, Christina Wilson. I have no idea how in the world I convinced her to marry me. I, I, just, I just don't know. Uh, like I said, I'm not bougie. Um, I've still got my East Tennessee accent. You'll hear that when I say stuff like metaphor. Um, you know, you're going to, you know, I, don't, I have no idea. I, I really, I ask her sometimes like, 
what was it? I mean, you know, uh, and uh, we've been married for 17 years. Um, this was a year, uh, this was actually about four months after that we were married. And you can see um, my face is still as round and as bald as can be. Uh, I, I didn't have as much gray in my beard back in those days. So this is kind of like right here. This is Parker. Uh, this is more Anna Kate. This is more FCC right here. And, uh, you know, she still looks the same. So I was 30 when I, when I got married, and uh, she was 23. And so she had just turned 24 there, and I was still 30. And so there's six years difference between us. This next picture I want to show you is, is, is just us now. Um, this is after 17 years of marriage. You can see all the white in the beard. She's still stunning as ever. I mean, she looks absolutely the same. You can see my beautiful kids uh, that I have here. Um, you know, it reminds me of 17 years of marriage, all the things that just happens in a marriage, all that we've experienced. Uh, uh, we've built three houses together. We have served four churches. Um, and even at FCC, she's transitioned from a student pastor's wife to a spiritual growth pastor's wife to a co-pastor's wife to now a lead pastor's wife. Um, she has experienced all that as we've gone through. This is our last picture that we took together. I want to show you that. Uh, I have no idea what's wrong with my, my grin there. Uh, I, I don't know. I look like a chest iron cat. Um, but that's our brand new nephew. And uh, his, uh, he is awesome. His name is Maximiliano. We call him Max. Um, he's named after his grandfather. Uh, Christina's father is from Ecuador. And uh, he just came through some major surgery. Uh, he had a cleft palate, and uh, they fixed all that up. And it was all during COVID. And so all of a sudden, they were able to spend a whole week with us. And so it's amazing as I think about my bride, and I think about the gift that God has given me in her, one of the things I think about is, is actually what Tim Keller talks about in marriage. Tim Keller says this, and I think it's really good. It's a great book called The Meaning of Marriage. He says that you never marry the same person, meaning this, is that the person you marry is not really the, the person today. And if you've been married for a while, you'll know that. They're just different. And, and it's, it's amazing, and you think about that. And, and the reason is, is because their sanctification their, their progression in the faith, their knowledge of the world around them, their love of Jesus is changing, you know? And a lot of times we have these really big idealistic views of relationships and marriage and all this. And if we don't realize that, then we'll always be looking for the perfect person, the perfect situation, and we don't realize that we're all unfinished in some way. If you're newly married, I will tell you, 15 years into it, Christina Wilson is not the same person. She's not the same person. I've watched through motherhood. I've watched through how she's had to put up with my miserable hide. I've watched how we have moved from three different states. I've watched how she has maneuvered all those things. And she may look on the outside like the same person, but inside she's completely different in so many ways. It's because she's, she's unfinished. I, I like what, um, what, what um, uh, this is not in our, our, our up on the screens, but I just want you to listen to this. When you think about marriage and you think about a bride and all that, 
we really want someone who will accept me just as I am. That's what you're looking for a lot of times when you think about the intimacy that we're talking about with the bride marriage. But in your heart of hearts, you know that you're not perfect. We, we all know that we're not perfect, right? But there are plenty of things about us that need to be changed and that anyone who gets to know you up close and personal will want to change them. They just really will. I mean, I think that is. So here it is. Here's, here, when we think about the unfinished bride, there is a picture of this that one of the things is this is a very vulnerable picture. This is a very vulnerable picture when it talks about Christ and his bride. Because Christ is going to look at you in ways and know you more intimately than anybody else will know. You cannot put on a facade with Christ. You, you, you can't pull the wool over their eyes. You can have a conversation with me maybe in five minutes. You can put on your fakest smile you ever could. You can say, oh, preacher's in town. Better look up sharp, right? You can get your kids to look all straight and all that. I mean, really, that's how a lot of religion is formed. We try to look good for certain people. But, you know, Christ looks right through you. And the big thing about a marriage when it's vulnerable, let me tell you who else knows you better than anybody else. Your spouse and your kids. And so when we're thinking about this intimate view of Christ and the church, we've got to kind of come out like this. C.H. Spurgeon says this about the church, and this is so good. If I had ever joined a church till I had found one that was perfect, I should have never joined one at all. And at the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it. For it would have not have been a perfect church after I had become a member of it. Still imperfect as it is, and this is my heart. Look at me, North Campus. It's the dearest place on earth. This is the dearest place on earth. This is it, right? So let's look together at this unfinished church. Let's look together at this unfinished bride and, and how Paul earnestly really longed with him. So here's the first thing I want you to see as we're looking in, in first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to open up the scriptures together. The first two verses, I'm going to read these first two verses for you, and we're going to look at this, that God has a jealous love for his unfinished bride. Here's what Paul says. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Now that sounds fun, right? <laughs> just if the Apostle Paul said, hey, let's just, let's just bear together, with, uh, you know, with a little foolishness, right? He says, do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. Now, here's what's going on in the whole context. Paul's having to defend his apostleship. Paul is having to defend who he is. Uh, for a couple of reasons, his letters are very weighty to the Corinthian church. I mean, they ask him these questions in the first letter to the Corinthians, and he doesn't even answer them until like later on. He primarily goes, no, 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 I'm not going to answer your questions. First of all, I know what you all have been doing, right? Like, you don't go to the Lord's Supper the way you're supposed to. There's, there's sin in your midst, and no one's going to talk about it. And he, he doesn't answer their questions. He really goes through them. And he, he says this, actually. This is how Paul almost brazen he is. He says, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you. I really don't. Y'all 
we're in these different teams and I follow this guy and I follow this guy. He's like, that's foolishness. I'm so glad I didn't. I can't even remember who I baptized, right? I mean, he, 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 he kind of comes pretty strong at the Corinthian church at this time. And, but now in 2 Corinthians, we've seen some repentance happen in the church. Why? Because they're unfinished. Okay, so here it is. Paul always yearned for a, a pure bride. And when we, when we call out sin in any way or we say, listen, this is not good brother, this is not good sister, it's always restorative in the church. And if it's not restorative, it's not gospel-centered. Okay, so it's, it's not. And so you're going to see this brother in 1 Corinthians that is just doing some pretty wicked stuff. By, by the second letter of Corinthians, we're going to see in, 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 I believe, the second chapter that, that he's repented. And Paul is absolutely so excited about that. And he says, welcome him back. Welcome him back, right? Because the bride is unfinished. It's really unfinished. That's that jealousy that he has that just yearns for him, all right? In chapter 2, it talks about this, uh, the painful visit that he had to have. And this man was restored. And then he says this. He says, as you've, if you've bared with this foolishness, what he's saying, he's like, I'm, I'm going to show you that I am an apostle from Christ. You can really trust what I have to say. So bear with me a little bit as I talk to you about that. And then he tells the church, he says, I have this divine jealousy for you. And you know, when we think about that adjective, that's kind of a tough one. When you say that God is jealous, he's a jealous God, if we're not careful, we don't have the best view of that word jealousy. Maybe we think of like a jealous husband that just doesn't trust and, and, or, or maybe a jealous spouse in some way. Or maybe you think of somebody who uh, is on a ball team and somebody is better than them and they're jealous of what they have. Or maybe in the office room, that, you know, that person got the promotion and they're just jealous. You know, we think about, you know, all that that can go on in an intimate circle. But the big thing about jealousy and the, and the way that it's presented here is it's actually actually says it's a divine jealousy. And so we think about God who throughout, especially the Old Testament, was jealous for the nation of Israel. Very jealous for them. You'll see it all the way through. That, that this is the way that God was very comfortable with declaring who he was. And, and how he was divinely jealous. And so here it is. God has not only a love for you, but a jealous love for you. Now, let me, let me pull back from this and kind of pull back the, the curtain a little bit so we can kind of see how this is. When we think about the bride and this, and this understanding and this picture of Christ's love for us, this is one of the most intimate views that we see, this spousal love that he has. Uh, you really can't be intimate with a building, you know? Do we don't, those are not the words that we would use for some of the other pictures that, he, that he's going to use, right? Now, now, you know, it's really exciting about what's going to happen in North Campus. It's, you're going to get to go to Alpine. It's going to be amazing. God's going to do great things. But we've never really attached ourselves when it says that Christ is that cornerstone and we're building on that. When we think about the love here, though, it's a different view of the facet of how God views the church. God loves you intimately. He does. He loves you in that 
kind of way. We see this throughout the scriptures. I mean, absolutely a, a beautiful way. Um, in Hosea, in chapter 2, in verse 14, um, if you know the story of Hosea, and if you don't know, in 20 years, we're going we're gonna to preach throughout the whole scriptures at FCC. So we'll preach through Hosea, right? And, and I think we've, we've preached in the past on this. But, but in Hosea chapter 2, if you don't know the story of Hosea, Hosea was a prophet. He went to marry Gomer, who was a prostitute. And, and, and she went back into that lifestyle again, and he went and he restored her. And God is going to use this as a picture of his love. And when God is talking about how unfaithful Israel is, dude, Israel was unfaithful as mess. They would say, God, we love you so much. And then they would go set up temples to all these unknown gods, right? Just in case their life didn't work out the way that they did. Now, if you had somebody that was cheating on you like that, would you be intimate with them? And I know right now, even those words, let me pause for a minute. I don't know where all of you are. Those words may have really, really stung. And maybe no one even, no one even knows about it, what's going on right now. But would you? Listen to God's words in Hosea to the people of Israel. Jealousy is for them. He says, therefore, behold, he's talking about Israel who's going after all these gods. I will allure her. That's intimate. I will allure her. It's a romantic notion of, of, of bringing this, 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 this country back to the foot of where the one who loves them is. And he says, I'm bringing her into the wilderness and speak, listen to this, tenderly to her. Even in our sin, a wrathful, just God through Christ speaks tenderly to us, even though sometimes it's truthful to us. Not all truth not all truth that you see and someone tells you is pleasant to hear. That doesn't mean that they don't love you. Okay, let me say that again. Not all truth is going to be pleasant to hear, but that doesn't mean that that person does not love you. Some of the best words I've ever gotten that have helped me grow because I'm unfinished were really hard words to hear. And if you can hear them sometimes it can allure you back to the cross. It can allure you back. Because we're all unfinished in a way. You know, we're all unfinished in a way. You know, Paul saw that his job, he has this jealousy for the church, was actually presenting the bride to Christ one day. I was asked, what? What really is the why behind what you do? I was asked this one day. I had to really think. I mean, there's a lot of things as a pastor I do, and I get to pastor three campuses. It's such a blessing. I get to work with wonderful men and women on our staff. You know what the why is for me? Number one, the glory of God. I mean, that, that is. That's kind of what keeps me going. But, but really, when you get down to the nuts and bolts, I don't know if anyone's ever told you this. I don't know what it'll look like in heaven, but one day I'll present you all before the Father, before Jesus. That's what it says. It says, holy and unblemished. That as a shepherd, as one of your pastors, I don't know if I'll do it with Pastor Ethan and Ken. I don't know if I'll do it with different pa I don't know what it'll look like, but I know that one day. So it's really important what we do. 
It's important what we teach. It's, it's important the things that we see that are important as a church. It really matters for all eternity. It will echo in eternity. So this is serious biz, what we do. Serious biz on a Sunday morning. It's serious biz what we do on our, on our life groups. It's serious biz, the goals that we have, for they will echo into eternity. This is, this, is, this is really, really serious. That's one of the things I really take very seriously is that, is that the Word of God has got to be presented, and that's one of the back of my goals is that, uh, and you say, how do you do that? I just try to be faithful to the text. God, this is what you said, who you are, what you want your people to look like, so I'll present it every Sunday. That's what I'll do. And some words are harsh, and they hurt us, and some words are so encouraging, but it's all building up this unfinished church. This unfinished church, when I get to do weddings, I love doing weddings, and uh, I, I remind the bride and the groom of this in their premarital always. I remind them of this truth out of Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, and, 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 and this is it, is that let all bitterness and wrath and anger, and clamor and slander be put along, away from you, along with all malice. Listen to this, church. Because you're unfinished, be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. I don't know how long you've been at FCC, but if you've been here for a while, this, this campus has been around for 10 years. That's just enough time to get on one another's nerves. <laughs> That's just enough time to be disappointed. You know what happens in today's church culture? And I, I hate this. We run up into a little opposition. We hear a word or a challenge that we don't like. You know what we do? Say, so I'm going to go find another church. Man, that's not growth and that's not unfinished. That's not. That, that's, that's not it. Here's where it is. Be tender with one another. Speak well of one another. Forgive one another. You'll grow more in Christ by doing that than running from your problems. You really will, okay? So this jealousy, now watch what this jealousy does. So, so, so this is a big part of it, all right? It says, look, I feel this divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you. That's what we're talking about. You know, Paul says, I'm going to present you to Christ, this one husband, all right? Now watch what he says, as a pure virgin to him. A pure virgin to you. Here, here's what this jealousy does. This jealousy and this yearning for him that Paul has for the church is going to push the church towards something. And that something is not something that we talk about a lot, but I think that we should. And that something is living in the shadow of the Almighty, and that's a holy shadow. Living in the shadow of the Almighty, and that's a holy shadow. So there's a balance. There's a balance in Christian living of candor with one another when we're, when we're openly in sin or even when we're hidden in sin and kindness and compassion with one another, okay? And you know, in the, in the church, you can live that way. You can live that way. If you have it, if no one's ever told you, because you're Christ, you are to live holy lives. Because you are Christ and you belong to him, you are to live holy lives. We are to live holy lives together. Not perfect lives. God bless, not judgmental lives, but holy lives. 
separate to him because we live in the shadow of the Almighty. Did you, did you notice what he says? To present a pure spouse to him. It's important how you live. It's important what you do. It's, it's important what's important to you. Now, I'm not talking about legalism. We went through Galatians, if you've been through us with it, and we don't live by legalism. Praise God, we live by the grace of the cross. Don't, don't go back to legalism. Don't, don't go back there. But you don't have to take holiness and, and combine it with legalism. That's a lot of times what we do. And a lot of times we, we take, it's like, well, that, that, that doesn't matter. No, it matters how you live. It matters how you live. I think Kevin DeYoung probably does the best with this as he, as he says this. He says, being a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, requires you to resist the world which wants to press you into its mode. Okay, Romans 12, 1 and 2. This culture will try to press you. I remember loving Play-Doh, and you can make all kinds of stuff into Play-Doh, and that's what they're really trying to do a lot. Things like saving yourself for marriage, staying sober on a Friday night, turning down a promotion to stay with your church, refusing to say the F word, turning off the television. These are things the world doesn't understand. Don't expect them to. Now watch this. This is so good. The world provides no cheerleaders on the pathway to godliness. There will be resistance right now in your life. If you're not feeling a little bit of resistance from the pressures of the world, I would do a double check. Because I, as a pastor, I do. I do. I, I do. Sometimes I want to go my own way, and it just really is in concrete ways. And we're living in a culture that will try to mold us, but part of that of growing in Christ is growing together in holiness. So this is a, this says that we should yearnestly judge, or we should yearnestly want this for one another. The, the, the next two, I want you to see these next two points kind of in the context of this whole thing, that God has a jealous love for you. He has a jealous love for you as his bride. And these next two, I want you to kind of see this. Here's the second thing. Because of that jealous love, all right, an unfinished bride is in danger of being deceived. We are in danger of being deceived, okay? So look what it says here in these next couple of verses. It says this. <clears throat> he says, I'm going to present you, and in verse 3, but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts, notice what he says, not your actions, not your behavior, your thoughts. Your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So what is he saying here? Murray Harris says this. The danger that the church really was under was not moral corruption, but intellectual deception. Now watch. That leads to spiritual apostasy. Apostasy. It means leaving the faith is actually what that meant. So the battle will begin in your mind. That's where the battle is. The battle will begin in your mind. Paul was really not the best orator. Um, his words had more weight. That's what they told him. Um, I don't know if it's the way he looked or maybe, you know, if you ever heard certain preachers, we all have certain things that we do. We know it. I get it. I say metaphor. 
All right? We all get it. Totally get it. There was a guy, he would preach, and he would go, like, every five seconds. Dude, I heard him do a funeral. I was like, oh, God. Look, I quit this mess, man. I mean, you know, we all do things. We all do things. He wasn't the best orator, but he was really weighty with his words. And and here it is. When, When you're thinking about this, his words had weight. His presentation did not. And so when he's talking to this church, and as they're unfinished, his main concern was that their minds would drift from a pure and sincere devotion to Christ. What does that mean? How can you measure a pure and sincere devotion to Christ? It's a really good question. It's a question that me and Ethan as pastors that we ask. Like, how do you do that? Like, I can count butts in a seat. Okay, I can count offering numbers. We have staff that do that. We can count square footage. We can count programs. We count a lot of those things. How do you measure sincere devotion to Christ? How do you measure that? Because we can all put on masks, right? How do you measure pure and sincere devotion to Christ? Well, I don't think it's something to be measured, but boy, I think it's something to go after together. I really do, because this is the why, but why we do. Here it is. We must listen to the Spirit together. Let me give you, I wasn't even going to use this, but I was listening to this as, as, as Pastor Ethan was talking about this Christmas dinner. Do you know how a Christmas dinner becomes so much more than just a Christmas dinner? when you listen to the Holy Spirit and you ask the why of because that we believe that everyone should hear Jesus and we should love everyone and we're not so locked into stuff that somebody goes, hey, you know what would be great? Let's invite their staff. And we're not so locked into just doing that ministry the FCC way, but we listen to the Spirit and we have this pure devotion to Christ and we'll say, it no matter every day, to everywhere, to wherever it is, I'm going to listen to you, Spirit. That's church. That gets me excited. When I heard that, I said, man, it made me want to just jump up and go, absolutely. That is that pure and sincere devotion to Christ. This is what it is. It's the doing of ministry. Here it is. Listen to me. Once you see success in ministry, and FCC has seen success by human standards, as well as I believe what God believes is important, it's easier to follow that blueprint that has worked in the past instead of a holy devotion to Jesus. And that's what will work. And sometimes we get our mind wrapped around, well, that's not how we've always done it. I don't mean this bad. Who cares? Who cares? Literally, who cares? Sincere devotion to Christ. That means sometimes we got to do things that are uncomfortable to us. Sometimes that means that we've got to dream and we've got to look and we've got to be, uh, make ourselves uncomfortable sometimes to go after what God has us for. And that happens in the mind. That battle's in the mind sometimes. So when you get your head right, your behavior becomes right. When your head's right, your heart will be right, then your behaviors become right. It's always the flow of ministry. 
See, I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. He says, we destroy arguments and every thought, and we hold them captive to obey Christ. That's what we want to do. Christ every day, Jesus every day, to Jesus everyone, to Jesus everywhere. We focus our mission on that, and I will tell you, God will do amazing things in our life. The third thing I want you to see is this. This is my favorite one. Is that the unfinished bride will always need the gospel of Jesus. We will always need the gospel of Jesus. You'll never outgrow it. You'll never outmature it. You'll, you'll never outrun the gospel and what it needs. Here's how he finishes, okay? He says this. Just as the serpent deceived Eve by its cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere, pure, pure devotion to Christ. Verse 4. For if someone comes, all right? Here's the protection. If someone comes, church... All right? And they say, this is what, the, that's what he's saying. For someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it already enough. What he's saying is draw some fences draw some things, and our mission should always point to the cross. Always. Always, always, always. We never get over it. The dangers of being unfinished is that someone else might come start building on something and forgot about what you were originally planned for. That's the danger. Let me give you an illustration. You remember this, Ethan, because Ethan, when he was an intern here, like, what, five years ago? One of the things that you do with interns and stuff, you say, hey, dude, come over and help me knock down stuff. And Ethan, being a big old dude, I said, dude, help me come down and destroy and just knock down my deck. You remember us doing that? Dude, he had like a hammer and was just drilling this, this, this deck. And his first time he'd met Christina, he was all dirty and he was like, man, you're like 21, 22, I guess. And, and Christina was like, you are dirty. Go ahead and just take a shower. And he was like, no, ma'am. Can't you hear him saying this? No, ma'am, I'm fine. And she said, Ethan, here's clothes. Go take a shower. He said, yes, ma'am. And he went, yeah. And he knocked down all this. And the reason that we knocked it down is because I had this big leak. So part of my house was really, really designed well, good bones. Somebody put an attachment on the house. And instead of wood, they used styrofoam. No. I'm telling you, right. who in the world? <laughs> styrofoam. When we kicked the wall down, we went, who builds with styrofoam? <laughs> like the guy that was helping me, his name's Pete. He's like, I've never seen that in 40 years of doing this. <laughs> I didn't even know they made that. But somebody thought it'd be a good idea, whether it was cheap, whether it was they had an abundance of it, to build with styrofoam. They did it. And I... I literally was the one who had to knock it down. FCC. You're about to go into a new building. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. Look at me, church. Don't start building with styrofoam. You may work at first. You may do some things. Don't you build with styrofoam. Don't you present another gospel. When this culture is wanting something other than truth, you hold on to the truth. That's right. You hold on to the truth with absolute clarity in your life. 
no matter if people to the left or the right say, let's build on something else. Let's not build on something else. You are unfinished, absolutely. And there will be a temptation to build on something else. And I will tell you as a pastor, and I know this brother as well as pastors here, I guarantee you we will shepherd and we will teach and point you to one man, and his name is Jesus. And let's build on that. Let's build on that, church. We're unfinished, right? We're unfinished. Our valley's unfinished. That means we got work to do. Means we got work to do. And there's no better people that I would like to do it than here. So, we're the unfinished church. You're the unfinished bride. But you have been betrothed to someone who's so dear. And it's going to be a joy to see all that God does with you. Let me pray for you.